and welcome to She Fucking Did That. This is Disco Tits. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Gia. That's it. I don't have anything else. And welcome to She Fucking Did That. This podcast about badass women you never learned about in history. In history. I am failing at whispering. Women of history celebrate you and me. Cheers to you, badass. Raise your glass, cause she fucking did that. She fucking did that. She fucking did that. She fucking did that. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hello there. It, Layla, is that, is that you? Is that your voice? Yes, it's it's me, Gia. Is that you? It, it is. It is. Oh, my God. Technology. It's working? It's working. Wow. What it's is this working. magic box that I can see your face in? <gasps> you are quoting one of my favorite things that I can't think of off the top of my head. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You quoted the newsroom without <gasps> even knowing it. Wow, I didn't know it. <laughs> you did, because Alison Pill, one of one of my favorite actresses, she's like, yes. what is this magic box in front of me? And it's just <laughs> her computer. And that is how I feel right now. So Gia, this is episode 25. Can you believe that? 25. As yes. old as Layla, as old as me soon, as Almost. old as the fear of many people i and i yes. hate the fact that because you're at a whole new age bracket it's i know crazy. when I, you're I on websites show... when you're on websites like signing up for stuff and they're like what age are you like you have to pick the mm-hmm. next one you're no longer 18 to 24 it's very you're sad. 25 to 30 <laughs> no thank you i'm not is it tw- is it only 25 to 30 or is it 25 I, to 34 or something? i don't know maybe it is i don't I, know yeah yeah i think it's uh, to 34 Uh-oh. or something something like that no yeah. well that's disgusting you know, <laughs> our our little podcast is growing up and i we've been doing this for five half, months yeah oh, pretty much half a year i think wow this is yeah. wonderful yeah and it's been a crazy year but hey it, it brought us more knowledge and appreciation for the badass women who make the world a better place and I'm so thankful for this podcast. Me too. And I'm so thankful for you, for all of the women that you've researched, because I feel like you've done a lot of low-key women. Like, I've done a few here and there, but I've, I try, I wanted to do women that, like, we maybe have heard their names, but, like, don't know their stories, which is also what we're all about. But, like, I'm so grateful for you for bringing, especially the suffragist saga and 
uh, the um, All American Girls Professional Baseball League. I think I did it. <laughs> yes, you did it. <laughs> well, I'm I'm more thankful for you, as everyone knows. This was Layla's idea. I'm just here. No. Uh, I'm just here to help and and talk and and do more research. And um, but I, I think we really have a great balance between like like who we cover. So I, I think we're a great I team. I think so too. And. Yeah. I'm grateful that I roped you into this. <laughs> I am very thankful. It's it's one of the most gratifying things I do in my week. And hopefully Yay. for our listeners out there, however many we have. Um, but yes. we actually have a really special episode this time. So this we is do. our last episode of the year. Once again, uh, ha- Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. So exciting. Yes. And by the way, yeah, uh, we've been very vague with what we were saying. We keep saying this podcast and using demonstrative pronouns. We should be more specific. You are listening to, she <laughs> fucking did that, <laughs> the podcast where we learn about the badass women we never learned about in history class to yes. put a little button on that whole spiel we just had. Yes. And this is actually a crossover episode with one of our favorite dudes, okay? Point yes. of view, baby. That's why we're here. It's highly requested that we do this, and we're and we're finally able to do it. Fun fact: we're recording this at midnight Eastern Standard Time, so this is going to be a wild ride, and yes, we're drinking. We're all delirious. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> but yes, like Gia said, it's a crossover episode with one of our favorite people in the world, David. Hot. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Hi there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, everyone, this is David Benarie, and he is my best friend. We're all pretty much be- became yeah. like, really, really close and best and friends. And I here. have never met David in person, but we nope. have become pretty close over Zoom. <laughs> over Zoom. We met because we were, I, we were, we were all getting into podcasting, podcasting <laughs> together. <laughs> And um, we were doing this. We were we we were gonna do this uh, challenge on Facebook, and I was on Zoom with Gia, and she was like, "Oh yeah, I have my friend Layla on the other line. Do you wanna?" On the her? other line. <laughs> I think I I I, remember, I I was I was in Florida. It was I was I mean, obviously I was still in Florida at the time, but no. Okay, so I was te- yeah I was texting you, mm-hmm. and you were like, "I'm on Zoom with with." My friend Layla, do you want to meet her? And I don't. I don't think Gia had ever mentioned you at this point. Um, <laughs> that makes thanks, me sound Gia. Terrible. No, 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 not in like. I'm sorry. That not in like. I said that really harshly. <laughs> I did. Well, you know what, David? You didn't realize that Layla ha- Layla got a haircut. So yeah, it took you I, a month to play that game. I, haircut, I, so. I I really I really. I really dropped the ball there. She did. Um, I, 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 I will never be able to apologize <laughs> properly for that. But it's okay because we <laughs> became friends over the fact that we love How I Met Your Mother. How I Met Your Mother, yes. exactly. It is like and our favorite show of all time. <laughs> it's the best. best. It's the mm-hmm. best. And um, yeah, and now I'm here. On yes. She fucking did that podcast at... 12.08 and 50 seconds in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't think of a better way to be spending my Saturday night than with my girls. I'm Aww. so glad. Oh, thank Wow. You. We're, we're someone's girls? We're That's pretty cool. girls. Wow. <laughs> and, okay, well, so it's like, we are missing the Christmas episode of Saturday Night Live. 
But it's uh, fine. I just felt the need to mention that too because all three of us do fucking love that yes. show. You all I mean, know how I, I feel about that show. I never get to watch show. it. Right. And I, but I never get to watch <laughs> SNL as it's coming out because I don't have cable. So I watch it on Hulu the next day. <laughs> right. I got to stream SNL for Gia and that screen share it so that she can watch it. That is true happy. friendship right there. <laughs> Thank I, you. I was honored. It was a true honor and a privilege for yes, the S- that. for to stream an episode for the SNL Queen. Mm-hmm. Oh well, well, thank you. No, that was very special, and I believe that was the Dave Chappelle, Chappelle. election night episode. Oh, oh yeah, very very special. Oh, oh yeah, that was that was also history making, the longest SNL monologue in history. It was oh, over like thirteen crazy. minutes, which is crazy. Yeah, and we're gonna right. give you some more monologues that are at least thirteen minutes in length about our featured women of the week. Yes, we are. Um, oh, by the way, we said this was a crossover episode. If you're wondering why, it's because, and we've mentioned it before, so I think you guys know, but Gia and David have a podcast called Silhouettes JB Podcast, all about the whole wide world of Jersey Boys, the musical. We all know Woo! it. We all love it. Um, if you don't love it, you're lying. Exactly. <laughs> if you don't love it. Then you're not from Jersey. Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you think. That's what you think. You're not. And from I will. Jersey. I exactly. will say, this is the only thing to come out of Jersey. Oh, I guess besides like Bruce Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen, and Frank Sinatra, and everyone else who came out of Jersey, that I love. <laughs> you guys know how I feel about Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> because Layla is from Pennsylvania, so of I course am. she's gonna have so we, that. We just all have to Riff. hate Jersey. <laughs> bow, bow, Not true. And David's favorite show of all time is The Office. Yes. The Office. And that's my theme song. Every time I walk into a room, that just plays. Just naturally, like a halo. So to bring the crossover back in. David and I, once again, host a Silas JV podcast. It's the deepest dive into Jersey boys you can ever take, will ever take, will ever have took in, okay? Both, <laughs> both the show and the movie. And my featured woman of the week is actually a, um, a recently passed beautiful Broadway performer and Tony Award winner. And it worked out beautifully that David is here tonight because he can definitely add some more insight. I I mean, I, I, I it's... it's... She she had a beautiful life, uh, and I'll let Gia get into all that. But she's she's brilliant, and it was we were we were recording an episode for Silhouettes when we found out that she had passed, and um, crazy. crazy. Well, let's introduce her because I still don't know who it is. So I would love to hear. Sure. Okay. So well, first of all, let's please dim the lights. Um, not like Ryan Seacrest, but like the lights of Broadway that are already dark, um, mm. and but guaranteed if, if things were normal, they would leave these lights off for a, a while. Um, and so I'm talking about Anne Ranking. <sighs> Layla, did you hear about her passing? No, I had no idea. It happened on Monday, December 14th. Very sad. Um, <sighs> she was only 71. The cause of death is still unknown, but she passed away in a hotel in Washington State. She was visiting her brother-in-law, and she passed away in her sleep, which, 
of course, is the most peaceful way anyone can go. But she was a true Broadway legend and just a star on Broadway and on the silver screen, too. And, well, here's the the awful part. So when when we were recording, also with badass Natalie Gallo, Broadway legend, in in our opinion, 100%. So shout out (laughs) to her. Firecracker, badass woman. Yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. And she, um, so... I I was so upset with myself because I didn't know her name. I knew who she was, of course, but I just never uh-huh. really put all the pieces together. So Anne Reiking, so it's like dancing like ranking. It, it kind of rhymed according to one of my sources, and I'm like, that's a really really slant rhyme. But that it's, is it's so very true. forced. Yeah. <laughs> it was very forced. Um, but everyone knows her, at least for me. The first time I saw her was in the 1982 version of Annie where she played Daddy Warbucks's secretary, Grace. Um, if you if you know that movie, you know her iconic yellow dress when she sings, like, we got Annie, and she's perfect. And uh, so she, she was amazing. There are so many things about her, I got to figure out the right way to put it all together. Um, <laughs> my sources are the New York Times, Beyond the Curtain podcast, Broadway's Living Legend. So she was just on this podcast six months ago and she passed this week so it's really wild to hear but if you guys want to look up that podcast uh she's episode number 223 and it's also crazy because they have a bonus episode right after that with nick cordero who passed away this year from coronavirus i have i have chills just saying that that those two episodes are back to back that's awful um also the new yorker dance magazine and fun facts from imdb Nice. Pretty cool. And my drink, I'm just calling it fucking Dancing Queen. I have nothing else to say. If she That's is. That's fine. I love well, it. Well, that is a fire name. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> I really can't say the credit for Abba, Mama Mia, I can take the credit for it. And I think it also works because we found out we were talking to Natalie Gallo and she was in Mama Mia on Broadway and on tour. And the drink. It's another kind of Irish cream. This is different. Um, it's not the normal Bailey's, okay? It's called Carolans. Also, I keep mm. saying okay. I hate when people say okay as like a precursor to things. That's annoying. Um, but it's it's I'll try nice. To stop doing it's, that. Yeah. Ca- ca- Carol Ann's? Like Ann ranking? So it's, it's just spelled C A R O L A N S. So it's just like. It, Carolyn's oh, or Carolyn's or Jean, as David likes to say, <laughs> instead of Jean. <laughs> Jean, oh which is hysterical and correct phonetically, so he's not wrong. Yeah, and I love David for that. Um, but but this this kind of drink, so it's Bailey's is a lot thicker than this, mm-hmm. and it's let me taste it again. Hold on. Shot. It is more kind of hazelnutty. Ooh. Just really, really pleasant. I Ooh, like it. Ooh, that sounds really so you, good. Yeah. And if you nice don't want anything as, as nice, yeah, cool. Like, as, like, thick as, as Bailey's, Bailey's, go for this one. Yeah. Well, Daveen, you have a drink, too. I mean, you know, like, you're, you don't have it themed to any woman because you're just here for the ride. But <laughs> what are you drinking? Well, I am, you know, I did a I did a production of Macbeth, um, which is when I met Gia whilst doing this production of Macbeth oh. at Rutgers, and um, Lady Macbeth, she's a badass woman. She is. 
So she's a I, murderous bitch, but we love her. She's a murderous <laughs> bitch. Um, but so Macbeth, they call him the Thane of Cawdor. So I'm drinking a White Claw, but I'm going to call it the Thane of White Claw Door, a raspberry <laughs> Thane <laughs> of White Claw Door. I am in love. Also, we love it. for those of you, we might do this throughout the podcast, for, throughout the podcast <laughs> but if we say things like that, like podcast, um, don't be alarmed. <laughs> and raspberry. we know how to talk please tell (laughs) well this is a newer fun way of talking and Devi can you please explain to the people what it is oh of course Um, uh, y'all know well Gia's favorite comedian John Mulaney and him and Nick Kroll they do they do these two characters, right? They play these two old white perverts <laughs> named George St. Giegland and Gil Faison. I mean, Gil Faison and George St. Giegland. John plays George St. Giegland and Nick plays Gil Faison. And they've been doing these characters since like 2010. I mean, they've been workshopping them for years. And they have this way of speaking. Like this, this mm-hmm. like um, cadence, like... And they'll shorten like, words like that. Like they'll make no, it. They, they'll shorten words. Yeah. They'll shorten expressions. Like, like instead of no thank you, they'll say no thank you. They like um, just add an apostrophe. It's like a contraction. If you write exactly, exactly. <laughs> if you write it out, it looks like a contraction. So mm-hmm. like they they then did a podcast. Oh hello, the podcast. <laughs> but they spell it. They spell it P apostrophe d c a s t but you also they they it's not just adding the apostrophe it's getting that staten island cadence mm-hmm. like pit guest like yeah it's, very, it's low and nasally and raspberry love it exactly like um like um hey I come from She Fucking Did That, where we make bonus content for podcasts. Um, and it comes out of nowhere. nowhere. It comes out of nowhere. Yeah. So I um, I am deeply ingrained into Oh Hello on Broadway and Oh Hello, the podcast. And I introduced Gia to the podcast. Um, <laughs> I'm fucking hooked. I can't. It, it's, it's so funny. Life Please listen to it. It is... Please watch it. It's on. It's on Netflix. Oh, hello, on Broadway. It's on Netflix with Steve Martin. With Steve Steve Martin mm-hmm. and um, a bunch of other funny shit. And oh, hello, the podcast. You can find it like <laughs> after you're done listening to she fucking did that, and after you're done listening to Silhouettes JB podcast, go listen to oh hello the podcast. It's the funny. So that's that's the uh, the origin story of podcast. Yeah. Why I speak like this all the time. Okay, well, <laughs> so let, let's bring that amazing, let's, amazing theatrical energy. Yes, um, particularly with with the Schubert organization. As uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you try as, fucking dealing with the Schubert organization, exactly as they say in Oh Hello the Cast, um, or, or in Oh Hello on Broadway. Now let's go back to Broadway. Now yes. once again, Anne Reiking, she is who we're honoring today. She was a dancer, actor, Tony Award-winning choreographer who performed for over three decades on Broadway. Unbelievable! Amazing. 
And she is, of course, mostly known for her association with Bob Fosse and his work. Mm-hmm. That is where she became a star. She was she was Bob's champion. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, she died on on. Oh, actually, she died. No, not the fourteenth. She died Saturday, the twelfth. Um, wow. at seventy one. She died right. Right. right, she did Saturday the twelfth at seventy one. Please, thank you for that for that uh, fact check. Yeah. Um, now, so here's the thing. So we're gonna get into a pure dancing um, mindset again. Layla was a dancer. Mm-hmm. I'm a dancer slash choreographer. I, I I still feel weird saying that. I don't feel like I'm actually legit, but like technically I am. Um, you are. And so, she's she's it, a legit choreographer with a fucking movie credit mm-hmm. okay oh, well, thank She's you a I'm, I'm not fishing for compliments but, but either way like it, it's it's amazing studying how she fucking moved and mm-hmm. she's known for her eloquent mobile shoulders the jazz hands but they're actually ballet hands and i'll get into that a little bit later Ooh, okay. flamenco fingers that yes it's awesome um her ballet wrists amazing and if so if you watch her 1997 i'll talk about it now if you watch her the 1997 <laughs> tony awards performance on youtube <laughs> you'll see that um that Anne Ranking had pure ballet hands like her fingers were like very relaxed mm-hmm. and Bibi Newworth has like pure jazz hands where it was like her her fingers were close together and straight as nails and down as opposed to mm. graceful very interesting and now of course with Fosse it depends um one of his like, co-workers said that like think, when you think of Fosse dance um think of it as just moving your finger one inch at a time pretty much and mm-hmm. everything is down to the inch right um also now great i am not a fossey expert but i did do sweet charity in uh, in my sophomore year in high school and we did a, it was of course all fossey movement so i got to learn a lot about it um and i and i kept up with it a little bit more over the years but it, it's it's amazing what his what his style was like and mm-hmm. Anne was that person so Anne was born on November 10th, 1949 in Seattle. She was one of seven children, a captain with seven children. Um, she, <laughs> her dad was a hydraulics engineer, wild and not what you would expect. And her mom was a homemaker. So she was, you know, encourage your kids, do everything. Uh-huh. Uh, she started ballet at eight years old, of course, fell in love with it. And that's what led her to dance most of her life. Um, and of course, like most of us, young American theater like little birdies we we were exposed to theater with bye bye birdie and that was her first show um in Mm. 1965 pretty cool then she long story well like to keep it going she went to the san francisco ballet she had she was a scholarship student she went to the joffrey ballet in washington and then she she was in the corps de ballet at radio city come on oh yeah what a dream career right i know unreal and she had very supportive parents, but they didn't, like, support her much financially. They were like, no, if you're going to do this, you do this on your own. Like, you save, right. you move to New York, you go to open calls, you make it happen. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Now, let's talk about her theater credits first, and then I'll get into her film credits. They definitely do intersect. She okay. was a busy fucking woman in the 70s and the 80s. But, like, the 70s was unbelievable, especially with the Broadway shows mm-hmm. that were around in the 70s. And Davina's a lot to say about them, too, I'm sure. So... <laughs> Here's the deal. Her first Broadway role was in the ensemble of Cabaret in 1969. Okay, now we think Cabaret, think Fosse, cool. That was like her first, she, but she was just cabaret. in the ensemble. So she, oh, it, the dancing, great. The whole show, eh, not my favorite. But um, 
it, that's a whole other that's a whole yeah. other podcast. So <laughs> um, then she did Coco with Catherine Hepburn, amazing. Um, and then she was in Pippin. So Pippin is where mm. she really got to get to know Bob the most. Oh, um, big time. Big time. Big, big time. Big time. Okay. And this is my favorite. So I love this story. I heard this from the um the the BPN podcast. Um, so she did an audition for Fiddler on the Roof Traveling Company. Awesome. I'm not exactly sure the the date on this, but this is a great story. Um, so she was strong in her ballet audition, of course. That was like one of the like the preliminary things she had to do. Um, but she didn't know she was going to sing. So she said, this is hilarious. She's like, well, I don't have any music, but if you could do like summertime and an alto key, I'd love to sing it. <laughs> not summertime and- for Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> Timmy, can you explain the irony there? Oh, my God. I mean, which is, it's so funny. It's actually so funny because, so Summertime, written by George and Ira Gershwin from the opera Porgy and Bess, Mm -hmm. all of the music that George and Ira Gershwin, I mean, they, they were Jewish, and so all the music they wrote was rooted in liturgical music that you heard in the synagogue on the Sabbath and on holidays. So mm-hmm. the fact that she even thought, I mean, it was so, so ironic that she thought to sing Summertime, written by a Jew, which is originally sung by an African-American woman. Mm-hmm. Um, at Fiddler on the Roof is pretty, I mean, if that was her intention, then brava. But yes. I mean, I mean, like, seri- I mean, crazy. Unreal. Crazy. Love it. Now, did she play? Did she play Chava? I don't know who she played. Because so in in the second act, there is a ballet sequence because there's not much ballet in the show. Mm -hmm. um, But there is um, there's a song called Chavala in the second act and there's a whole ballet sequence. And. I don't know. I don't know how because usually they, they get the girl playing Chava to dance with two other ensemble people ballet who are playing her two older sisters the main sisters so i would assume that's her yeah yeah i would assume interesting yeah interesting pretty cool i love it thank you for sharing and by the way so david is so fiddler is also one of his favorite things in the world david is our wonderful wonderful amazing amazing friend uh who is like who is jewish and he tells us everything and yes. he he's taught us so much about the jewish culture and we can't appreciate mm-hmm. that more. every time i talk to him it ends up being a lesson for me on judaism <laughs> i love it because i have no I love idea the questions i have no idea about any of it so it really helps and i love it yes I'm, if you guys I'm have questions to, yeah reach send out. Them over. Send them in. i'm it to oblige my friends and neighbors <laughs> Sweeney Todd. <laughs> Ayo. That's my hey. favorite show. <laughs> That's your favorite show? That. I didn't know it's that. It's one of them, yeah. It's one of my favorite. Now, well, now you know. The well, more you know. know. <laughs> okay. Um, but, so, but just to finish up that story. So she's like, well, if you could sing Summertime in an alto key, I'd love to sing it. <laughs> That's so the she, other ironic thing. Yeah, in an alto key, exactly. And um, so she started singing and then she kept going on and on and on. Again, she should have stopped after 16 bars because, mm-hmm. of course, it's protocol. So the music director tried to stop her. Mm-hmm. And she thought that the music director made a mistake and she's like oh no there's more to the song i want to <laughs> sing the second verse i love the second verse it's beautiful so she goes and she starts singing <laughs> and they're like oh, oh okay 
But I'm, I, and everything turned out swimmingly for her. Okay. The balls that was on her. you, man. That's balls so funny. Because even like when I would go into auditions, even 16 bars would be way too long for me. <laughs> I was like, please make me stop. <laughs> oh, I, we, we wish we had your problems, Layla. I know. Because like, okay, I'm not a singer. Like... Even no matter how hard I try, like I will never be a Broadway. Me neither. So I feel you. Yeah. So when I go into those auditions and then I'm like hearing myself and I'm like, just let me dance. (laughs) Just just let me be a dancer. Exactly. (laughs) Dance scales at the end. I'm good. Like (laughs) Yeah. It's so it's it's a yeah. Singing is is a is a beast. Yeah, well, um, good for her that she had that much confidence. <laughs> she was well, like, so okay. she had she has this voice, and she's like, oh, she's like, I'm trying to. I did I did a decent impression of her before. She's like, like, like Joe, you gotta change your ways, Joe. Like, I, that, that's that's not really her, but she has this like, she doesn't have a voice, and that's her voice. If that makes any sense, like, okay. She, she's very but she's very strained. About, yeah, think about all those women from that time. Uh huh. Uh, like from the early, I mean, you had Liza Minnelli mm-hmm. with that voice. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, mm-hmm. uh, oh my God, Annie, get your gun. What's her name? Oh my God, I can't believe I'm forgetting her name. I'm so sorry. But she did Annie get your gun? Diamonds are no, Diamonds are girls' best friend is Carol Channing. But Carol Channing, Carol Channing, one. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like all mm-hmm. of these women, like besides for like Judy Garland. Mm-hmm. A lot of these women, like, they were powerful character yeah. actors and yeah. performers. And right. they, and even, even Cheetah Rivera, though, too. Even Cheetah mm-hmm. Rivera, exactly. Mm-hmm. Even though they didn't have the best voices, mm-hmm. they are the women that go down in Broadway history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They Absolutely. go down. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yes, it's true. Mm-hmm. You're fucking right. I'm thinking about that. Because they're unique voices. Yeah. Totally, totally unique. Definitely distinct. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Um, but I also can't help but think. I'm like, wait a minute. Is it because they don't have their voice that like, like these casting directors are like Ursula, like they're taking their voices? <laughs> <laughs> Ethel Merman. I I do not think that at all. But I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who might have that idea. I don't know why that pops in my head. It's not true. I don't think so. But anyway, moving on. Ethel, Ethel Merman's her name, by the way. Ethel oh, Merman. Okay, okay, okay. I mean, she. Right. But she. I mean, she created Broadway belting for women, at mm-hmm. least. Um, but Amazing. she, uh, I mean, there's no, there's this like show, but I mean, that's like, it's not pleasant <laughs> yeah. to listen New, to. Another episode but, idea. <laughs> yes. Broadway Beltrises, um, but. It's a fabulous idea. Like, uh, again, like these women drove home character work mm-hmm. and Anne, Anne ranking stood among the ranks. That's that's the that's That's the episode. That's it. Ranking off the ranks. (laughs) He's got it. Also, fun fact: we we usually send David like some options that we have for the titles of our episodes. Like David, you're you're our uh, you're our title guy. (laughs) Yeah, he's our title. (laughs) It's on my resume. (laughs) There you go. We're like David on this pick. So fun. Okay, so that was her Fiddler story. Now let's move on to Broadway again. So in 1972. Pippin. Of course, she was a chorus member, and this was a Fosse-directed and choreographed time. This is when they really got to know, get to know each other, and she became his muse from 1972 until 1978. Now, if you watch Fosse Verdon, um, there is definitely a lot of liberties with the timeline. Um, long story short, yes, Anne was Fosse's muse. Um, now, Fosse was married to Gwen Verdon, 
Um, now, but they were like on and off. They were separated different times, but basically there was a little bit of an overlap with their relationship, but not too much. And it's important to note that in every single interview I've listened to with Anne, Mm -hmm. all she does is talk so fondly of Gwen Verdon. So I think that's really Mm -hmm. important to say, especially in a, in a minute. So once again, with these Fosse moves, especially in Pippin, it's a lot of push and pull choreography. That's like mm. a really a great way to explain it. Um, thank you, probably dance. And yeah, so it, and it was David Warren Gibson who said the like the one inch there, one inch here idea mm. with your fingers. Um, then she was in <laughs> she was in a musical called Over Here in 1974. Get this with John Travolta. So this is before Greece crazy and yeah and the andrew sisters um so that's pretty cool and she's like a whole like jitter buggy type really nostalgic um production really cool talk about stunt casting the andrew sisters i know wow and if you and they have like this like on youtube it's this pretty rare footage um from the 70s and definitely check it out everything i'm telling you right now is on youtube please watch her videos you'll be stunned She's gorgeous. Um, 1975, she worked with Broadway legend Joel Grey in a musical called Good Time Charlie. Interesting. 1976, a chorus line. And then in 1977, she replaced Gwen Verdon in Chicago. Even though, here's the thing. So Gwen Verdon played Roxy Hart, of course, okay. in Chicago. And this is what this is what Anne is mostly known for, kind mm-hmm. of. Um, now the character of Roxy Hart is meant to be an older character. So Anne went in at 26 or 27 years old. Mm -hmm. And of course, Gwen was much older and Gwen was like the one who pushed for this show to get on Broadway. And she finally did it in 1975. The show only lasted about like about three years or three Broadway seasons. And then Anne came in in the final year in 1977. Crazy. Oh, pretty cool. I did not know that was roxy i know that's I, well insane. there's it, it gets but better wait, it gets better more. <laughs> <laughs> then you go to 1986 when she was in sweet charity with bb newworth who she worked with about a decade later so bob fossey died in 1987 cut or fast flash forward not cut well either one flash forward <laughs> to 1996 and you have the revival of chicago now mm. th- so and Co- like she choreographed Chicago and the director Walter Bobby insisted that Anne Reiking play sh- play Roxy again in Chicago 10 years older she's in her 40s at this point wow unreal so she's pretty much doing what what Gwen did she's like she and she revived her own role on Broadway what the fuck yeah and after doing like, all of these what like 20 years later yeah, and doing like, all, like, it's crazy. And doing all of these amazing. shows and movies and working her body to the bone. Yeah. Seriously, I'm sure her knees were bone on bone at that point. Oh, yeah. But she took care of herself immensely. And she worked with B.B. Newworth again. So they, they, so they, and so she was Velma, and mm-hmm. then Anne was Roxy. Amazing. She won the Tony for Best Choreography. Unreal. Okay, she wow. fucking did that. Same role twice. Heavy dance role in her 40s. And then the That's accolades un- continue from there. Unreal. It's nuts. Unreal. Like, I can't even, unreal. Like coming from a ballet background, like that doesn't happen. Like no. you are you're done when you're like 30, like maybe like 35, pushing 35. And then at that point mm-hmm. you're just teaching. Like right. that 
is crazy that she it is did crazy. the role. Like, not only choreographed it, but did the role at 40. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Girl. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's what she's mostly remembered for. And now Chicago is still, David, please jump in on this. It's the it's longest still, running revival. It's the longest running revival. Um, it just celebrated 20 years in 2017. Wow. Um, and um, they have no I mean, they have no plans to close. They have no. absolutely Not no wood. I mean, they just they just performed at the one night only Best of Broadway. Uh huh. Um, December on NBC. On N- <laughs> NBC. <laughs> and, bum, bum, bum. and um, the producers will just keep on putting money into it because they know that they'll get asses in the seats. Um, there's something about this show. I mean, it's people think it's. People forget that it's a revival. Yeah. The, sh- the show the show flopped. I mean, it did not mm-hmm. do well. I mean, it stayed open for stayed open for two or three years, but it did not do well. And now um, I'm and- sure you could ask anyone and be like, what do you think about Chicago? And they'll be like, oh, it's one of my favorite musicals. Right. It's so mm-hmm. many people. I mean, my friend Rachel. That was her first Broadway show mm-hmm. a few years ago. I just saw it for the first time in 2018 on spring break when I was at Rutgers. Uh-huh. And I I was just, I, I mean, I understand yeah. why they keep it open. Mm-hmm. I understand. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful production. Um, that onstage band is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's the dancing. It's the dancing. It's the, it's the, it's the Bob Fosse choreography. Yeah. It's the singing. It's the music. It's, it's the ha- movie too, especially if you're and like so. Yeah. yeah, that's for me. I so I'm born in '96. I'm that Gen. I'm that millennial Gen Z cusp, mm-hmm. and the Chicago movie came out in 2004. It was the last movie, mm-hmm. last movie musical to win Best Picture. Yeah. And it fucking blew my mind. Same. It, it, it is. It is gorgeous. Yeah. Unbelievable. And but I think that's what also gets a lot of asses in seats is because they love the movie, uh-huh. and then they may or may not get disappointed in they the show. May, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I never even I, I I haven't even I'm I'm watching the movie tomorrow. Um, I haven't even seen the movie, and um, oh, you're gonna love I it. I saw the. Sh- I can't wait! I can't wait! I have heard so many good things about it, and I saw the show, and I was just you know this is great. I understand. I understand it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's not really it's not really my cup of tea. Yeah. The show, you know. Okay, fair. Mm-hmm. I I mean really I cup. love it because of the dancing, and I'm sure that I should be thanking and ranking for that. <laughs> yes, it's so. true. They, it's she she's the one who brought all of these moves to life. Yeah, it's unreal. And okay, so but get this: this isn't even where it stops as far as theater goes. So in 1999, she co-directed and co-choreographed broad- the Broadway musical Fosse, mm-hmm. which won the Tony for Best Musical. What the f- wow. amazing! Come on! So that was her theater world. Come on! One of the most renowned people—not only women, but those renowned people in the theater world, the theater community—it's unbelievable. So sad. Um, but let's also talk about the movies that she was seriously also known for. And she, I think maybe she became a household name even more so from this. Um, now, her movie debut was 1978 with a movie called Movie Movie. 
movie moot. <laughs> and it actually Whose job was it? it to name that? You had one job. <laughs> one job. I can't tell you. I know, Davia, they should have consulted you. I don't know what I happened really there. don't get You're it. You're the title like, guy. I, I understand that I was not even in the uterus yet, but like, send me an email. You know? <laughs> <laughs> send me an email in utero. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. Okay, so next, this is like one of the, um, this is like the most iconic movie that a lot of people are known for her um, ass. So in 1979, you have the Fosse directed movie called All That Jazz. It's a semi-autobiographical movie about him, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, Please watch this movie. I watched it in film class. I watched three of Fosse's films. Oh my god, so intense. And it's so 70s. Oh my mm-hmm. god. But you have to watch it. I love it. Yes. And now this is where um like her legs for days thing like <laughs> went off on social media and on the internet this week. And it's so true. If you if you if you Google just Anne Riking all that jazz, you'll see um her main well, you'll see two scenes. Pretty much a solo um that she sings when the character Joe Gideon is suffering a heart attack and he's unconscious and her like she is in his head telling him to get get his shit together mm-hmm. which is a fantastic and the dancing the symbolism and the dancing is insane um but my favorite scene is a very g-rated scene in a very r-rated movie um where she's <laughs> dancing with bob with bob Fosse's daughter um just like up and down the stairs in the living room and it's adorable so please look up those scenes um, she worked alongside Jessica Lang. Mm. Not that jazz, pretty cool. My girl, Ugh, I love, I love so Jessica Lang. <laughs> and no, it's so good. This this was nineteen seventy nine. As I said before, she basically stopped being Bob Fosse's muse in nineteen seventy eight. Mm. And no matter what, like even if that wasn't the case, like he made her audition for the movie, <laughs> even though obviously she was a choice. Right. So Anne said, um, her character was me, and it wasn't me at the same time. I said. She said of her character, the director's girlfriend, which she used to be, um, in a New York Times article in 1980, so like the year after when they were probably plugging the movie. Mm-hmm. She said, basically, I was very flattered. I think I came off as a good person and as someone who meant something to him, which is very true. She is wonderful at that. And she did the same thing in 1982 in Annie, which is my, this version is definitely my favorite um annie movie for sure directed by john huston amazing so once again she played grace look up that scene her yellow dress she is floating on screen (laughs) it's unbelievable to watch i love her and there was a a scene that was cut um where she it was just her and there's like like 40 other dancers or 40 other anne reikings quote unquote Mm. like dance behind her but they cut that scene because there's only one anne reiking there's only one someone said there's only one, yeah, and I'm pretty sure that was for Annie. It wasn't for Annie, it was for a different movie, probably about Jess, but I think it's for Annie. And her last movie was in 1984 with a movie called Mickey Plus Maud, and she played Mickey, pretty cool. Um, she was married four times, um, which is cool, yeah. Why not? Why not? So she was married I'm in lucky March, in love, we like to say. <laughs> yeah exactly so in 1970 and then from 82 to 89 and then from 89 to 91 with james stewart who she had a child with and that jimmy uh, stewart? peter albert no a different one <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> definitely Mr. a different james one <laughs> stewart yes uh yeah hey mary what about okay. the mom? um and then peter albert uh from 1994 until her death so 
Pretty cool. And she was the founder of the Broadway Theater Project in Tampa. Always a Florida connection. Shout out. The Connects. Big shout out. uh, Which is, of course, naturally, an international program that connects students with real-life professionals who teach the ins and outs of theater on and off stage. Pretty cool. And if you read her New York Times obituary, you're going to see these awesome theatrical buzzwords. You're going to see words like ingenue and and pistache. (laughs) And I'm like, I love these words. (laughs) And that's really what that that just reminds me of Phantom of the Opera. Uh Every time I hear that word, ingenue. Exactly. Yes. So Christine was the ingenue for the Phantom and Anne Reckon was the ingenue for Bob Fosse. I fucking love it. I would have loved to have seen Anne Ranking play Carlotta in oh Phantom my of the Opera. Gosh, yeah. yes. Wow. What a role. Oh my god, she would wow. have killed it. She would she have. have killed it. Yeah. For or sure. wow. Ooh. Mm-hmm. She would have been a fabulous Madame Giri also. Mm-hmm. Either one. <laughs> Either one. Either one. I honestly Both just great l- roles. just just let her do four like four shows a week as Madame Giri, four shows a week as Carlotta. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, thank you for bringing up that, like, 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 just splitting it up because I can't get over the, how much work she had in the seventies and eighties. Mm-hmm. So once again, let's go back. You had Pippin. You had once again. So you had Pippin. You, you said had, she was in the ensemble for Pippin, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And okay. then she was in Over Here, Good Time Charlie, A Chorus Line, and Chicago. They were all basically one year apart, which is normal. Like that's a normal con. Like mm-hmm. if you're if you're like. If you're like known and you're working, you're working mm-hmm. one show a year, unless right. you're mm-hmm. like in a long running show and they want you to stay. But like right. most uh-huh. Broadway contracts are between six months and twelve months. Um, you know the standard Alphabet contract in Wicked is nine months. Um, so, I mean she mm-hmm. and she was good. She was really good. So they wanted her. Every show mm-hmm. wanted her. So she was just bouncing, bouncing here, bouncing there, bouncing there, and she was. Thank God. I mean, book wow. talk about booked and blessed, right? Right. Yeah, because, seriously. I mean, we all know how hard it is to make it in show business. And she fucking did it. She fucking, <laughs> fucking did that. Did it. <laughs> and, and if you just watch her, she is so enigmatic, so beautiful. Like, and uh, she's just, like, it, it's just insanely wonderful to watch and very sensual yeah. too. And it's, like, she's, she had it. She had it and more. Mm-hmm. Um, Love her, love wow. her, and and it's cool the crossover with especially with Davi because I think nowadays, um, particularly with the Jersey Boys family and the way they're casting, um, with Tara, with Tara Rubin casting, which is the best company ever, and um, Top of the and notch. It's like the production crew, tell the notch, um, they all like if you're in the family, you're in the family, meaning that if they need someone to fill in for whether it's a day, a week, or a few months, um, in whatever company they're in around the world, people can just bounce back and forth, and it's cool. And also today, people can bounce between film, theater, TV, mm-hmm. all the time. And so he- hearing that in today versus in the 70s, I was just kind of shocked that – it was just very surprising to me that you can just make those jumps. Um, it's, and today, when you can kind of stick with a show for a really long time – you just have the option to either stick with a show for a really long time or to bounce around. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Yay. Um. Yeah. So that is basically um Anne Reckon. She and Bob Fosse influenced a whole generation. Um. This is really cool though. So basically, she said that Bob's choreography um was different and 
like of course than hers and hers was more um ballet and a little quirkier mm-hmm. than bob's which is very particular i thought it was really interesting and yeah so she she passed away this week it's awful the theater world has been grieving her a lot um mm-hmm. this week which is which is good you know you don't just hear the story for two days max like this has been an ongoing celebration of her this week yeah and I'm happy we're doing it today. So I please so raise a glass. Yes. To raise Anne. a glass. A salute. A salute. There you go. No Elita. No Elita. <laughs> oh man. That is it's very sad that we lost a legend, especially in the Broadway world. And especially mm-hmm. right now because like because Broadway is closed. <laughs> Can't even fucking so, dim the lights for her. Yeah, which is exactly. very. I mean, she deserves it. She deserves it, and she deserves all the praise that she's getting now and until forever. So, thank you, Anne. Wow, because thank you, Anne. Yeah, and keep dancing, everybody. Keep dancing. Dance like nobody's watching. Mm-hmm. Or dance like people are watching. Okay. Sometimes yeah, that motivates people. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works, okay? Whatever, works Whatever, for you. Whatever floats your boat. Hi, I'm BT Newberg of the brand new podcast, The History of Sex. We explode gender norms by exploring their incredible variety across time. In today's culture of gay marriage, trans rights, and a new politically correct term every day, things can feel a little chaotic. It makes you long for the good old days. When men were men and women were women, and nothing could be more clear, right? Well, sorry to break it to you, but those days never existed. If there's one thing the history of sex teaches us, it's that sex and gender have varied fantastically across different eras and cultures. For example, did you know that the Nazis encouraged young women to bear a child out of wedlock for the fatherland? Or that pre-contact Hawaii had no such thing as marriage? Or that ancient Romans had no concept of orientation, only a vague sense of preference for one sex or the other. That's the kind of stuff that we'll be covering in our new podcast, The History of Sex. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get podcasts. The History of Sex. And we're back. (laughs) Great (laughs) job. Wonderful. With Rebecca. Amazing. Oh. <laughs> to quote Full House. Thank you, David, for bringing us back. David Thank always you. brings us back on to yeah. the Let's podcast with his signature. It's I can't one even of do my it now. Ayo. Ayo. So, welcome back to She Fucking Did That, our 25th episode and our final episode of 2020. But don't you worry, we will be back better than ever. And I had my, my very long winded explanation of. of and ranking, but every second was important. Every fact was important. And yes. next, Layla, especially for is, all our Broadway lovers, is it, yeah. Yeah, which we got three of them right here. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace, legend. Legend. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. And Layla, I have no idea who Layla has in store for us tonight. So Layla, you, please. Neither do I. Tell us. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so my woman. She also passed away, but mm. she passed away like a century ago. So, <laughs> <laughs> David, it's, it's still too soon. Don't you realize this? It's too soon. <laughs> um, but she is. 
<laughs> it doesn't soften the blow. It doesn't, especially this person for me. Oh, um, yeah. Because, she, but right now she is actually getting a lot of. Um, uh, oh my gosh, what's the word? I am having a brain fart. Uh, <laughs> Attention. <laughs> yes, I was literally just about to say that. Attention. Salute. She is getting a whole lot of attention right now because she has a TV show on Apple um, Apple TV oh. about her life. Um, brand new hmm. with Haley Steinfeld, one of my favorite people. Oh my gosh. Um, I am talking about Emily Dickinson today. Yes. Yo. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's rock yes. and roll. This is a rock very special rock and roll. This is a very special episode because I feel like we're all talking about things that we love. Um and people that we love and like the work that they do. So this is a really awesome episode. I'm so glad. As you guys know, we don't tell each other who we're covering. And so it just kind of worked Which out. We're I love talking that. about things that we love. Yeah. Um, Thank you. It's a lot of fun getting surprised every week. So yeah, episode 25, Emily Dickinson. Uh, we all know her as one of the greatest American poets of all time. Um but, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, my drink. <laughs> Um, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I could not think of a name for my drink. (laughs) But uh, maybe you guys can help me out by the end of my story to come up with a name. But uh, I am also, like David, drinking a hard seltzer, although it is not White Claw. I'm drinking a Vizzy, which I had never heard of, but my sister and her fiancé drinks them. And now I'm drinking them, and it's really good. I'm drinking the pineapple one. And it's delicious. Yeah, Yeah, it's delicious. Um, And for those of you who hate on hard seltzers, like, get out of here. You're lying. They're really good. You love them. They're so good. (laughs) Yeah. They're refreshing. That's the point. They're very refreshing. Yeah. Especially, like, when you don't want, like, the taste of whiskey, like, and you just want some, you want it's the fizz and low calories, I never low carbs. Want the taste of whiskey. That's yeah. Why? Who? Who am I talking to? I yeah. We always want the taste. It's lo- of low calories, low carbs. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Oh uh, no wonder I'm just, a fat ass. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> While I eat my piece of bread. <laughs> David is eating a piece bread. of bread because he oh. hasn't eaten much today and All he's day. drinking yeah. uh seltzer that he doesn't usually drink and he's red that's why yes um a very nutritious meal bread and hard seltzer <laughs> that i drink on a daily basis it's very new york <laughs> so new york. new york get layla's ass over here i know Bye, california I know. goodbye bye <laughs> you're moving anyway. to kingsbridge we're living like Penny Marshall, and that's it. That's it. That's the end of it. That's all I'm going to say that's about it. it. And oh, did, that's you hit, it. did you smell that nasty smell in the city the other day? My God. No. Garbage. Oh, my. oh to- it smelled like piss. It was mm-hmm. just, it was like, it was like piss and, and Ernie's feet after a long day of work. Ernie. Put- <laughs> it's like piss and ink. That's my uncle's name. <laughs> That's oh my, my alter ego's husband's name. <laughs> right. I remember that. Yes, of course. Of course. Of and course. Well, you know what? At least, Layla, at least, it's sweater weather. 
sweater. Oh my god, so wet weather. weather. Cute sweaters, cute sweaters. <laughs> David, David has a thing where he. Okay, so, but okay, fun fact. Okay, we gotta tell the story. So, Layla was coming to the city and she was like, oh my god, so what should I wear like on our day out? Because we were actually gonna go out and enjoy ourselves as much as we could. Um, mm. With and Davi was like, with masks. <laughs> uh, yes, we we were very safe. Of course, we just we got some fresh air. Went to the park. We went to Thirty Rock. Mm. You just do what you got to do. And uh, and Davi was like, oh, like just wear some cute sweaters. <laughs> and like, wait, what? <laughs> the vein with the fashion advice. I I just I've always you know people like to it's it was the fall it was it was the fall you know. People were starting to bust out the cute sweaters, so I was like, yeah, "It was sweater wet. and you know what? I did wear my cute sweater. I did. You did in front she of did. Hamilton, no less. Mm-hmm. Hamilton. Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that was adorable because Davi was just like, "This is so cute sweaters." Like, okay, so obviously Davi thinks about girls in cute sweaters, and I, I'm like, "Okay, I'm like, this is, I'm like, this is good insight mm-hmm. into Davi's yeah. brain." Yeah. Yes. I love, you know so, what he likes? He likes cute sweaters. He likes cute sweaters. I love Who a, a badass woman <laughs> with a cute sweater. Yep. Wow. Okay. That's how I, I think... view myself. <laughs> Fuck yeah. As long as I'm wearing a cute sweater. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Girl power. Yeah. I love it. That, that, that could also be a good title for the episode. What do we have? So we have... Cute sweaters with Layla Brinzia <laughs> and Gia Doxy. <laughs> And David. David Benary. All right, let us get into Emily Dickinson. Emily Dickinson. Um, so, my sources are poets.org, the Poetry Foundation, and the Emily Dickinson Museum. She was a so, poet. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> oh my God. If you didn't know, then she wasn't a poet. <laughs> She's a poet, and you didn't know it. <laughs> hey, so is Layla. Holy shit. <laughs> It's actually I was really totally funny kidding. That I, joke was right there. <laughs> um, I actually, fun, fun fact, I actually am not a huge fan of poetry. Well, I wasn't until this year. Um, and then Emily Dickinson was one of the poets that I started getting into. A, a lot has to do with the new show that she that they have about her life. But I actually really like her poetry. It's really weird. And I love it. Um, so we'll get into it. So Emily Dickinson was born on December 10th, 1830 in Amherst, Massachusetts. Which Sag. is perfect because we're in December and I usually like doing our birthday, our birthday ladies around their birthday. And just so happens she was born in December and I didn't know. Um, <laughs> so she was the middle child. Uh, she had an older brother named... Uh, Austin. It was William Austin, but they just called him Austin. Oh, and a younger cool. sister, yeah, and a younger sister named Lavinia, who they just called Vinny most of the time. Um, she was very close to both of them. She was kind of their confidant. Um, and the, anytime they had a problem, you know, they would go to her, and they were like her intellectual, like bouncing boards. Like they would just lean on each other. It was so. Like, they had a really good relationship. Um, so she she did what a lot of girls did at that time. She liked to bake and garden. Um, she had an affinity for plants and flowers, which is shown through her, uh, her poetry. 
she also she attended church she read books she sang and played the piano she wrote letters to her friends and took long walks around amherst the All perfect the life and yeah lifestyle wow i mean all the things that a kid would do in the 1830s so (laughs) like what else is there to do come home from school after a day in the fourth grade (laughs) (laughs) pick some flowers write some letters yeah um so she attended amherst academy um which was you know one of the local schools there until she was um 15 which is when she entered her final year of schooling for women i guess at at around like 15 16 it was when women stopped going to school um so she did her final year at mount holyoke female seminary i don't know if i said that right but yeah so she went to a female seminary and it was a boarding school so like she lived um she lived there for a year and that was the longest she's ever been away from home um because she just i mean she was a homebody, especially towards the end of her life but she um she had never been away from home for that long before so at the seminary the young women were divided into three categories established Christians, those who expressed hope, and those who were without hope. Mm. Uh, This is one of my favorite stories about her. Um, At the meeting, at one of their meetings, um, the quote-unquote, I guess she would be like the headmistress, I guess. I don't know. She was just in charge of the seminary. Um, She asked all the girls uh, who, she said, everyone who wanted to be Christian, rise. Like, rise out of your seat and everyone stood up except for emily wow (laughs) yeah um needless to say she was put into the without hope category oh god this wrote her off yeah oh my god because she was like so this is what she actually said about it so um i guess one of her fellow classmates uh said that she said to her, um, Emily said, they thought it queer I didn't rise, adding with a twinkle in her eye. I thought a lie would be queerer. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So she was Big like, wow. she was just like this rebellious teenager that like just did whatever she wanted to do and didn't go with the group because it was like the right thing to do or whatever, or, like what everyone expected of her. Um mm. Yeah, which is what I love about her. I had no idea about that because I don't know why, but I think of like, uh, I think of people in that time period just always being refined and like mm-hmm. in talking in very proper English. Um, and like they do talk in proper English, but they also like, <laughs> like she was clearly rebellious. And I don't know why I still have that mindset because we literally talked about Mary Shelley and how she right. did like, took opium and had uh orgies <laughs> so, oh like, wow <laughs> so i yeah, need did, to get rid- did he miss that episode <laughs> she did he did it was a, it was a wild Wait, episode. she she wrote waitress right what no <laughs> wait i can you edit that no. out <laughs> no i'm not I will not. Wait, her no. Her name was Ad- Adrian something who wrote who wrote Waitress. I'm so sorry. 
you. Wow. Just just flog me now. <laughs> no. No, Mary, Mary Shelley, Shelley did write Frankenstein though. Right. <laughs> oh my god. So this does not represent me. <laughs> he was just in the Broadway But that's such a great point. Oh and thank you for bringing that up because even with Little Women, too, like with the mm-hmm. remake of the movie, of, of course, mm-hmm. totally different people, but um, like you, you learn that, well, it kind of just goes back to our whole show. You know, it's talking mm-hmm. about the women who rebel like who did rebel and they made a difference in their time period yeah. and and we wouldn't Defied know about emily dickinson exactly like mm. and the reason why we know about emily dickinson is because she she did defy stereotypes even though the language she used was very wistful and romantic mm-hmm. and proper obviously she made a, a serious um impact in yeah i don't want to say i just want to use the word impact to say impact but like she she said she, she was she like, clearly different from the pack that's all right like, like she yeah. just she paved her own way in poetry right. like she didn't study it in school because that's just not what you did in that pe- time period especially if you were a woman um if you wanted to learn that you would kind of have to seek it out for yourself which is exactly what she did um because you know they would mostly focus on like history or like science in school um mm. So, yeah, she kind of paved her own way in poetry. Um, yeah, so she was at the seminary. She was uh, without hope, as they defined. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then after a year, she returned home. Um, I guess she was supposed to stay there for a little bit longer, and no one really knows why she came home early. Um I think at one point she said it was because her father wanted her to be home or something, but that was the end of that. Like, there was no other explanation. Um, Other people think it was because of her homebody tendencies, and she just got, like, too homesick, and she just wanted to come home. So Emily was, as we kind of just covered, she was always known as, like, the eccentric one in town. Um... Which nowadays, I, th- I think we would all find re- really charming, but uh, back then it was weird. <laughs> so she she didn't really enjoy social visits like most girls were expected to. Um, she just liked being at home and doing her own thing, which I think we can all relate to nowadays, especially me. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but I love being at home. <laughs> yeah. Um, she also, for some reason, loved to wear white clothing as often as possible. I, I do too. Yeah. Interesting. Tell and me you more. are wearing a white top right now, I think, unless that's the light reflecting it's, off. It but. is the light. It's gray. But no, oh. I, ha- I have a whole thing about white walls and how I don't want to paint my walls because I love it lo- looking like a clean slate, even uh-huh. though I know I'm not going to paint, I'm not going to paint them. Hello. <laughs> my, my, wo- my wood walls. <laughs> the wood walls. Is that similar to what she did or am I just projecting? I really... I really don't know. I didn't find a whole lot on it, but like everyone just like any all of the resources I found, it was just like she just loved wearing white. Mm. And she would so if anyone has an explanation 
um, well. or a theory, let me know because I couldn't find anything. Um, but yeah, so she was she just wore white. Um, in her teens, she is when she really discovers poetry and has this like creative streak. Um, but she finds poetry and the rest, as I say it, all the time, is just confetti. Like that was it. That was what she loved. Um, so she spent years writing hundreds of poems, kind of in secret. Um, she shared some with her family, um, and she did get some published, but they were all published anonymously. So no one knew her name while she was alive besides, you know, her close friends and family. Um, like I was saying before, a lot of those poems were about nature, They were also about life and death, which I love. (laughs) But two of her biggest inspirations were Walt Whitman and Ralph Waldo Emerson. Right. um, Two of the the greatest nature writers of all time. Um, And a good chunk of those poems were written for someone named Susan Gilbert. So Susan was one of Emily's best friends and eventually her sister-in-law. She marries her brother, Austin. They had a lot in common. Emily would confide in her and she would often ask her for a critique on her poems, just normal best friend stuff. Um, Apparently, Emily sent her more than 250 poems throughout their 40-year friendship. Wow. Can you imagine being friends with someone for 40 years? 40 years. I hope we're all friends for 40 years. Me too. <laughs> chin chin, 100 years. <laughs> exactly. Um, Just <laughs> So we, nobody knows this for sure, but there are a shit ton of theories that Emily and Susan had a secret romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to cue the John Mulaney quote right here and see if you guys get it. <laughs> Do you guys remember? Oh my gosh, I forget which stand-up, but he was like, he was talking about uh, getting an English degree in college. Yes. And he goes, <laughs> do you remember what the quote was? He was like, well, he was like, you can say anything and and you can get an A. He's like, I think Emily Dickinson is a lesbian. Yes, exactly. Partial credit. Partial <laughs> credit. <laughs> yes, indeed, that is from Kid Gorgeous. Yes, that's so good. So I love good. it. Um, but it's but it's uh, not true. But it's uh, theorized that she was. Uh, <laughs> why does that? Why does that happen? I feel like a lot of women, especially like in the twentieth century, yeah, they had a close relationship with another woman. Mm-hmm. They were. Automatic. I mean, like years later, or like even in their time, they were deemed lesbians. Why well, does that happen? But I, I feel like I hear that a lot. Like I feel like I hear that with with a lot of. No, I mean, okay. So at least with Emily, like there is some evidence is in the way that they would like write to each other and stuff like that. So it's not that it's like unfounded or like automatic, but yeah. I just, I just, um, I, I feel like that. It's not stereotype is not the word that I'm looking for, but it I, it was a mm-hmm. common it was a common thing to label two yeah. women close friends as 
lovers. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Just... I mean, I, you know, it was a different time when being gay was, you know, completely out of the question. Like, if you were gay, like, you might as well just be dead. Like, you know, so they had to, like, suppress all of that. So I don't know. Maybe a lot more people, like, just explored that back then because they had to suppress it. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Who knows? It's nebulous. Yeah, I don't know. Well, the same the same argument could be made for men, too. I mean, like, because basically yeah. no one could be friends with anyone. If you were mm-hmm. married and you were a woman, you didn't talk to anyone. You didn't really have mm-hmm. friends. It was just you in the house. And men... You had, like, family friends. Right, exactly. yeah. Family friends and, and actual family and cousins. And you kind of stuck with the family. Mm-hmm. And to also kind of bring it back to John Mulaney, like how he always talks about his dad and, like, how dads don't have real dads friends. Have friends. And, like, if they say... <laughs> and, and they don't have any friends. And if they say that they do, they're lying. Or it's like, like, my dad meant to get friends and then he forgot. And he was watching <laughs> World War II stuff and reading all the books. Like, it's like no one... Once you're in that established marriage, no one really has friends. Like, you either have, like, fuck buddies mm-hmm. and coworkers, and that's it. And you're not even friends with your spouse. Yeah. So I wonder if, if it went both ways, um, if people thought that men were gay as well. Well, plus dating back centuries with men having sexual relations with men um mm-hmm. in wartime and mm-hmm. in jail, too. Like, with all, like, and there are still jokes about it today. Yeah, don't drop the soap. Um, exactly yeah so i to- i totally see your point and i feel like yeah. it, it brings like a much broader question of any extramarital friendships yeah 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 totally um but yeah i don't i mean i don't know i would have loved to know especially because emily wasn't like she never really had romantic relationships um like, she was never married, so I feel like I would have, just for my sake, for my selfish reasons, <laughs> I want her to be a, a lover to her sister-in-law <laughs> because I want her to be happy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so towards uh, going back to Emily's life outside of her romantic relationships but towards the end of her life emily's reclusive tendencies really intensified um no one would really see her outside of her home ever um and even even later in her life she would hardly leave her bedroom she would stay home with her sister and her parents uh she would write and tend to her plants in Uh, She had her own conservatory that her father had built for her just so she can have all these plants, like, no matter what the weather was because she just loved them so much. Um, One of her only, yeah, one of her only romantic relationships was with a man um, called Judge Otis Phillips Lord. Um, And this was, like, even later on in her life. But some of her letters to him suggested that she would even consider marrying him. Um, But she never did. Um, Because, like I said, she was never married. Um, The last chapter of her life was, unfortunately, just full of illness and death. Uh, Her father died in 1874. 
She took care of her mother when she became seriously ill until she died. Um, and then her little lover boy, Otis, died in 1884. And oh, then gosh. a year later, her nephew, who was only eight years old, died. So it oh. was just, yeah, horrible, horrible for her then. Um, and, I mean, I feel like the my normal response to that or, like, anyone's normal response when you look at that is like, oh, well, it was the 1800s, like... Everyone they didn't died. know anything. <laughs> yeah, everyone died from like the flu or whatever. Like, and tuberculosis was a huge thing. Like, it was, yeah, but it's still like that's not okay. No. Like, that's, that's horrible to go through. Like, all of those people mm. dying around her. Like, that is just a horrible life. Um, but she herself became ill and died. Um, at 55 years old on May 15th, 1886. Wow. Yeah, so only a year after her nephew died. So after she died, her sister, Vinny, found something that would change American poetry forever. Um, she found all of the poems that Emily had ever written. It was, or I mean, assuming they were all the poems she had ever written, but it, there was a lot of them. There was about 1,800 poems in all <gasps> that wow. she found. Yeah. Um, Emily had apparently hand-sewn the pieces of paper together that her poems were written on into little books. Um, she, like, actually took, like, a string and, like, sewed them together. Um, some of them were like themed to one another. So she would, she would put poems she thought went together, together, um, and all that. Uh, and they found that she, and this is like one of the things that she's kind of famous for. Uh, they found that she used really unusual punctuation and spelling choices, um, which became like her signature thing. So mm -hmm. if you read it, she'll use a lot of like dashes and stuff like where they shouldn't be or like she would capitalize random words or spell words like in a weird way. But Emily's friend Mabel, Lew Mabel Loomis Todd and literary figure Thomas Wentworth Higginson. Why does everyone have 50,000 names? <laughs> <laughs> A lot of words. Um, who Emily had corresponded with Higginson with about her poetry throughout the years. Um, so they both decided to publish the first selection of her, of her poems posthumously in 1890. Um, then in 1955, which is a long-ass time, um, uh, a, com yeah. a complete volume was finally published. That's... That's a really long gap. <laughs> That's like 60 years. Yeah. yeah. But we finally wow. we finally got them all. Um, and thank goodness we did because now the previously anonymous name of Emily Dickinson is known throughout the world. And we are so grateful. I am so grateful. Yes. Oh, my we gosh. We her work. Yeah, and I had no and know her name idea. and know her name. That's the biggest thing is that like she just she just wrote her poems and like if she was published it was anonymous because that wasn't mm -hmm. like the thing that women did, you know. Um and now we know her name. 
Damn which fucking is, right we do. Yeah. She which is crazy. Because she, she fucking, fucking did that. Did that. But, yep, yep. <laughs> yes, she did. Yeah, she fucking, her name is Emily Dickinson. She fucking did that. She credit did. where credit is due. Yes. And I think it's really, this is the first person I think that has gotten, that made history after she was already dead. Like, mm-hmm. which is crazy. That we, yeah, it's true that we've done. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's Emily Dickinson's life. Um, if you are a fan of Emily Dickinson, which I am now, um, that I'm starting to get more into poetry, uh, the Emily Dickinson Museum, which was one of the resources I used, that's her actual house that she lived in. Oh yeah. Wow. Um, it's, it's the, the whole museum, it's her house, like her family home. She lived in her entire life. And then her next door it was like her brother and Susan's house, her best friend. It was their house. So that, their house, Emily's house and her brother's house are all part of the museum. And you can go and visit and you can see the bedroom that she wrote in and she like stayed in pretty much her entire life. There's a white dress. One of her white dresses mm. is there. Is um, that creepy or cool? Because I've been in museums like that and I get really freaked out. I think it's, it's pretty cool. But I've, I will say, I'm like... It's both. Yeah, I'm sitting here and like I have one light on and and it's dark outside. And I pulled up the, the webpage that has a picture of it. And you just see like a white dress just like floating there. That was a little creepy, but then I realized what it was. I realized what it was, and I was like, I've never been to a house museum before, but yeah, I think it's really cool. It's kind of like the Anne Frank house, also. Yeah, which that gives me chills. I that's a bucket list location. Now the Emily Dickinson Museum is bucket list too. Like, I think it is a little creepy when you think about it, but it's really cool because that's history. Like, mm-hmm. these people actually lived, and you can see. Imagine yeah. recording an so episode personal. of this podcast inside Emily Dickinson's house. That's a crazy, awesome idea. What? That would be really That'd cool. Be at the sick. desk That'd that she wild. wrote her poems at. be sick. That would yeah. be sick. Oh, my gosh. What an idea, David. I know. Lynn wrote part of Hamilton at... Was it either Hamilton or Burr's house? We yeah. Got permission to sit that. in the house and write. That's amazing. amazing. Like, who it's do so you cool. get in contact with to do that? No, I, I don't even. He he had to. He had to. He had like the notoriety. He had the notoriety from the Heights, so I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Had to... Um, but yeah. So there's that. I also implore you and i'm using the word implore because it's that important uh, to watch dickinson on apple tv um it is so cool it's such a good show and it's so fucking funny but also mm-hmm. poetic at the same obviously it's poetic <laughs> um i would love and, to check it out yes yeah i mean if you need my login let me know uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you but yeah it um I mean, it's just a really cool take on her life and like that era that she grew up in. They made her like they had her they had them just talk like they would in twenty twenty. And it's okay. really Love it's that. really Love fucking that. funny. Yeah. yeah. It's, awesome. it's really funny. Um, but also beautiful. And uh I, you guys everyone needs to watch I, it. So I um I wrote a play 
um, last year called Portraits of a Dollar Bill, <laughs> which is... Which is hysterical. <laughs> Thank you, Gia. Um, it's all the people that we know on our dollar bills, like Washington, Hamilton, mm-hmm. Jefferson, all of them. I've concocted the situation where all of them are at a portrait studio getting their portraits taken for their dollar bills, <laughs> which that would never happen. Um, that would have never happened, but it's all period costumes, period sets, mm-hmm. but they're all talking 2020. Yeah. Then yeah. that's, that sounds amazing. And I need to read that immediately. I'll send it over. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's what Dickinson is. It's all period, except for the way they talk. Mm-hmm. Um, it's great. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's Emily. That's Emily Dickinson, y'all. And she is so, yeah, look up more about her because I couldn't, obviously could not fit her entire life on here. So good. But raise the glass. And I gotta say, that's the thing about Emily's. Every Emily I know, or Emily that's like a huge, like in the media, as they say, it has like this really cool edge to them. There's always something Mm -hmm. about an Emily. Emily and Emma. And Emma. Emma. Yeah. Yeah. Emma Watson, Emma, Emma Thompson. Watson, Emma Thompson, Emma Thompson, hey, oh. Emma Stone, Emma Stone, yep. Emma Stone. Emma Emily Blunt. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, yes. That's such a cool observation. So, guys, that concludes our final episode of 2020. What wow. the heck? What a special episode! What an so special. What an awesome. You know, I've had the pleasure of watching you guys grow your podcast because, you know, since we're all very close, we're all friends. And um, it has been a pleasure watching you guys grow into what you are, into the work that you do, the brilliant work that you do. Um, it's kind of like um, I, it's kind of like what Gia and I do for Silhouettes is that we produce content that we would have only have loved to have growing up and Mm -hmm. this is something that i know people love and people want so that they can hear about women that they might not have heard about and um you guys are doing amazing amazing work and thank thank you so much for bringing me on of course we needed that validation (laughs) we did yeah it's been a hard year for all of us and this has been one of the lights in this very dark time. Um, exactly. Yeah, well, I love you. doing yeah, this every week. And we, yeah, and we hope you. that, we just want to be a resource. You know, we, yes. we, want, like, we like, our goal is to do something consistently for however long to have some kid years from now find it. Yeah. You know, yeah. even just for one episode they or will. whatever. We just want to be that. Like, uh, right. Or like yeah. us where, you know, we're doing research and we turn to other podcasts for yeah. for information. Like we'd love to be that for someone out there. One hundred percent manifestation. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. But thank you for being on, David. Thank, thank you, you for Gia, having me. for your wonderful story about Anne. And thank you for Emily Dickinson. Oh of my gosh. course, yes. Ugh. This episode was so great. I am very happy. I loved it. Yes. Favorite episode. Yes. As I said, until every, next like, four year. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, 
So guys. Yes, until next year. Yes, we will be back and better than ever in 2021. But until then, enjoy. Yes, enjoy all your holidays, every single one of them. Eat up, drink up, eat, strap in, drink, be merry, stay safe. Don't drink and drive. Strap on. (laughs) Strap on. Stay safe in all forms of the word. Yeah. Please. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone. And this is uh, Layla signing off until 2021. <laughs> <laughs> and Gia doing the same thing. And if you can, in order to stay tuned and get ready and keep up with everything, uh, please follow us on social media at Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at SFDT Podcast. Podcast without the apostrophe. <laughs> and also, please email us anything you want to talk about too we're at Silo- yeah. uh, no i'm sorry we're not Silo- we are at <laughs> we are at sfdc podcast at gmail.com but also if you want to email silhouettes it's what is it yeah yeah we're there you know you know us now you know either us one now. like oh okay you we'll just forward us. it over either yeah. one either one we're like neighbors it's like all oh, your mail was in my mailbox here you go it's the same all thing. right yeah here you go <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring it over <laughs> uh, all right everyone Uh, Goodbye. Salud. (laughs) Bye.